everyone. This is Imani Mamalushin, and I'm here on the East Coast with River all the way in New Mexico and getting ready to do some hemping out there. And we're really excited to bring on um, a guest and one of our partners that actually is one of the suppliers of hemp, Randy from Formation Ag. So I'm going to hand it over to you, River, to introduce Randy and tell people a little bit about the future of hemp. Yay, I'm excited about this one. As you all know, I'm hugely advocating for hemp in the industry now, in the building industry, and um, connected with Randy. Maybe it's over a year now, I think, that we first connected, and I went to visit them in uh, their location in Colorado and saw what they were doing with the processing machinery um, required to, to turn hemp stalks and uh, biomass into the building materials that we are using in this new healthy natural home building industry um it's it's a point in time i've been really looking forward to being in the industry for a couple of decades now and just wondering how um randy if you introduce yourself um and i'd like to hear how how you got into hemp actually like what what got you there? What was your background that led you to him? I'm not sure how long we've got. <laughs> we forever about that part. My name is Randy Wright. I, I work with Formation Ag. I'm the general manager and sales manager now of Formation Ag. Uh, I got involved in the hemp industry as an economic developer about seven years ago when uh, marijuana became legal in Colorado. Uh, hemp was uh, definitely a product on the horizon for us. And, and as an economic developer, I saw it as a way for farmers to add a cash crop um, to their repertoire and actually be able to add value to that crop before it left our area because uh, none of the uh, services had been uh, or were available. There was no decorticators. There was, there was nothing like that. Um, and none of the processing was available. And I saw it as a way for the farmers to be able to add that to the uh, value of their crops before they even sent it out of our area. So as an economic development person, that was a big deal, being able to bring more money into our area before it left. We do a lot of potatoes and grain in our area, and people make potato chips and vodka, uh, but it's somewhere outside our area that they make those things, so we don't get that value out here. I saw hemp as a, as a possible chance of adding that value before it left our area. And then uh, after a few years, um, I was somewhat responsible for getting Corbett Hefner involved with PowerZone. Um, and uh, he, after he got there, started working in the hemp industry, somewhat to my suggestion. And uh, when they came to me asking how they could diversify the PowerZone uh, business structure, which was primarily... Uh, refurbishing large industrial gas pumps, mostly for the oil and gas industry, was which was in a slump at the time, uh, I told them, obviously, we need help with hemp. And they said, yeah, we understand that, but our owner's Mennonite. I said, yeah, I, I had thought about that. Well, a couple of weeks later, they got back together with the owner, and he asked them what they were thinking, and he said, uh, well, we're thinking hemp. And he said, me too, let's do it. So they started then as Power Zone Agriculture, uh, made a decorticator, the first decorticator that I know of that was made in the United States since the 30s, uh, built on the Schlichten design, 
found a lot of interesting challenges that Schlichten, uh, I don't think, accidentally put into his design in the patents. I think they were on purpose to kind of throw people off. But we've been able to get around those things. They sent that first decorticator to Russia. It's still there and operating well. They just called us a couple of weeks ago and asked if we could send them another one. So we're happy to do so. Uh, and then after that, they started in other things, working on the CBD side, collecting chaff out of a, a combine for low CBD crops and developing harvesters um, to harvest the CBD without rupturing trichomes, which was a big deal. And then uh, obviously, as the CBD industry has started, well, has started, has really tanked, uh, we've started switching over our business to the industrial side again and really developing the decortication system. Um, Randy, can, that, I, yes. can I jump in there for a minute for people sure. who are new to hemp? Because one of the things that, you know, I, I have a hemp business focused on the CBD, right, and the sublingual aspect and consumption. A lot of people don't understand the difference between the two, the industrial hemp. So I think if you can speak to that, that would be really helpful for the listeners. Because everybody says to us as we're traveling around, like, oh, I have a field. You can grow lots of hemp. <laughs> so I want to kind of demystify for the, the people new to this, but who've heard about hemp, but have a lot of uh, different ideas in their mind of what it is versus what it really is from your process, and even what, what the machines in the um, processing is required to break it down into usable form. So you're exactly right. The two are completely different. Generally speaking, the way we're taught to farm hemp, I usually generally break them out and say that we grow CBD and we farm industrial. And two very different processes completely. CBD generally is thought of as being big bushy plants. And those big bushy plants and the whole idea of the horticultural style of growing CBD came from the marijuana industry where we're growing inside, uh, whether it be in greenhouses or basements for a long time. And uh, so people in the marijuana industry know very well how to get the most out of a plant in that horticultural style, but it doesn't transfer very well when you move it outside. Things like weeds become a real issue. And so uh, just the cultivation of the CBD plant becomes somewhat of a challenge. And in a lot of areas, uh, especially in our area, we've evolved to growing CBD on six and a half inch centers. In other words, six and a half inches between plants uh, instead of 50 or 60 inches between plants. Well, you're obviously not going to get a big bushy plant when you do that. But it becomes a farmed plant. It becomes an agricultural plant. Uh, uh, aspect for the farmer now instead of the horticultural, uh, which most of them aren't used to. And by doing that, the CBD elevates towards the top of the stock, top two or three feet, and uh, we've got a couple of different harvesters that can harvest that material and leave the stock in the field. That stock can then be um, cut or swathed, left in the field to rep, which is an important process of the industrial side. And then it can be baled and brought in to be decorticated. So we've literally found a way to get flower, seed, and fiber and herd off of the same plant. It's not perfect by any means, but we're getting much closer every year. So we're kind of trying to bridge that gap that you talked about between CBD and industrial. Mm. The CBD plants are the big bushy plants, and you've got to have some way of harvesting those big bushy plants and then uh, bucking those plants to take the CBD material off of them and then go into processing. Typically, that's a feminized plant that doesn't get uh, pollinated, or at least that's the theory. There are a lot of hermaphrodites in hemp that cause 
fawnization. And there are some males that come out even in feminized seed. So it's a bit of a challenge that, that hemp farmers have dealt with since the beginning. But what we're doing now with our industrial type plants is that we're actually planting males. We're not worrying about that. Good morning, Mike. Welcome. Nice so to have you here, Mike. I'm late. I was on a, a call that was supposed to take 20 minutes and it went an hour and uh, 10 minutes. Well, we're just glad you're here. Randy's just breaking down some of the, the myths of hemp. of, um, And I love that distinction, Randy, between the farming and the, you know, horticultural aspect. Because, you know, even some of the messages and people say all the time, like, I, I have land, can I grow it? And then even if they were to grow it and knew how to grow it in these different ways that you just described, the other piece is that they don't understand that it actually has to be processed and that the processing requires these um, big machines that you're talking about, the fortification rate, those machines. So it's, I, and as River had said, this is a, we're kind of pioneering this industry using industrial hemp in this way, particularly for the building. You know, we've been familiarized with it with CBD for the last couple of years since hemp got deregulated, but this is a new, a new industry. I mean, on the horizon, it's just getting started, even though maybe you are, you've saw it before others, but What's your projection and where do you think this is going? Oh, that's a good question. Well, obviously, um, our biggest, are you calling me? I've got a, a phone call coming in from you. <laughs> from me? Yes. I'll shut that off. Okay. Um, anyway, um, no, I... Uh, uh, the, the future of the industry. Let me get back my, my train of thought back. That kind of disrupted me a little bit. Uh, obviously, our, our uh, business philosophy has changed over to the industrial side significantly now. And uh, we see, uh, obviously, you know, the advocates will say there's 25,000 uses for the hemp plant. Most of those are in the stock, in the fiber in the herd. And before you can actually realize most of those, you have to have them decorticated. Our uh, vision of the future is that uh, the hemp stock, the fiber and the herd are going to be the future of hemp. Does that mean that CBD is going to go away? Absolutely not. Um, there was an article written um, about uh, two or three months ago uh, that suggested that if on the current usages of CBD right now, 1,500 milligrams per bottle, um, about 3,000 acres would satisfy the needs of CBD in the whole nation. I think that's a little bit low, but I don't think it's all that unrealistic to think that we're way over uh, producing right now. And with that being the case, we're going to have to come to some standardization where we're producing the amount we need. At the same time, we need some education uh, as far as what CBD does. And unfortunately, the United States is holding that back a little bit. We're not uh, allowing a lot of those things without significant amounts of money to prove it. Uh, the rest of the world is doing it. I've got three studies done in Britain that are very um, encouraging uh, about cancer and the effects of, of high dosages of CBD and THC and all of the other uh, different uh, cannabinoids involved uh, and their effects on cancer really interesting stuff, but that stuff's not being done in the United States at this time. So it's going to be difficult for a while, but we do need that research to prove as much as we can um, at the university level, whatever the case may be, 
that there may be some uh, very strong health benefits in CBD. If, if it's just uh, treated like a vitamin, I'm good with that. Um, but that's where I see CBD going. But I think the future is definitely in the fiber and the herd. The herd, herd industry has uh, developed already. There are a lot of different uses for the herd, including hempcrete, uh, which we're very excited to be working with you guys on. Um, that, that's been a big deal, and it has reinforced uh, some of the things that we're doing. The fiber, we've gotten some really good information out of Canada about our fiber now. Um, I think we need to do a little bit better job of maintaining all of the fiber in the plant. We're losing a little bit in the trash stream, but uh, once we get that figured out, our fiber is, is a very, very nice fiber. 14 to 16 thousandths uh, in diameter and very clean, very nice and open. It's really good stuff. Of course, that depends on the variety and a whole bunch of other things too, but hopefully that answered your question. Yay. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think there's a lot of confusion in general around, you know, like I travel around and obviously working with, with hemp in building and, and people say, oh, I, I, you know, I know someone who's got tons of biomass, tons of, you know, from from the CBD or from cannabis industry and, you know, and just understanding that it's not a one shoe fits all kind of thing where, you know, the, the plant has got so many variants and strains um, and, and maybe that's a good time to bring you in, Mike, just to give get you um, introduce yourself maybe a little bit and um, what how, how you came to hemp and, and what kind of where you see hemp right now um, on the industrial side. I know you're, I know you're connected in the, the CBD side of things. Um, but you know, on, on the industrial side, I think there's a lot happening with the indigenous cultures um, and looking potentially to grow on their land. Um, and maybe you can speak a little bit to that. Cause I know that's something that's you been bet. of interest to in you. Hey, well, Mike, um, and uh, I own a company called Botanically Living Solutions, and we are engaging and working with um, multiple tribes around the country um, to go in and, and do large hemp grows. And their primary um, idea of the market is going to be in industrial hemp, not just in CBD. So um, some of them want to do CBD, some of them want to do just completely industrial hemp because. They, they see the market as being bigger right now. So if you look at the at the basics of the CBD market and where we're at, and, and Randy mentioned about the tinctures and that volume, but that's just a little teeny component of what's inside the market, right? So a lot of the, the huge amounts, I mean, I, I, we've got, I'm working on a contract right now where we potentially are going to move a thousand kilos a week of, of CBD isolate and to other manufacturers that are just their sole purpose is to make Delta eight out of it. And then Delta eight is just a variant of, of a CBD that um, it's a psychoactive product that has a lot of medicinal uses for it. So, um, so that, that's a huge piece of it. And so the market is actually growing in structure and size of, um, of how and what the CBD and the hemp are going to be used for. Right. So. Mike, is that website, the botanical solutions, CBD.com. Is that the one? Is that yours? Yes. Okay. And then, you know, remember when we, um, when we first talked you know, with River and I, when we first met, we were talking, you were like, the industrial hemp is coming, fiber is coming, you know, you know, all these farmers growing it, but you're like, we're not sure when that timeline is, if we're there, like, where do you think we're like, where do you think we are in that timeline right now? Well, with the introduction of, of people like you guys, <laughs> all of you, 
it, it's growing, right? And it's, it's growing to that market. And the thing that could happen, just like it did with CBD, is that, you know, people hear about this market and all of a sudden they go and every farmer in the world, you know, tears out their corn and their, and their soy and starts growing industrial hemp. And, and then it, it floods the market, changes it, and then people go bankrupt, and then people buy out those farms. And, you know, just the exact same thing we've seen in the hemp market over the last year and a half, two years, um, which is unfortunate. But it's also, it's a free market, right? And that's it's all capitalism. People go in business for a reason, and, and it is to make money and to produce stuff. So as we grow the, the different availabilities for the products to be moved to, this market could get exploded. I mean, and as so, I think the market's already there. And like we've had that discussion before, River, is that the market's there. It's now it's our job to educate people that that is the market and that there is a market for it. And I, so we have. Um, I've got one of my primary growers that has. Um, he does CBD hemp and and he does uh, cannabis and he does it in a few different spots throughout California and, and a few other states. And we talked about the industrial hunt, and he says it's nowhere near mature enough to be able to start doing any kind of acreage at all because you don't have the flow. And you have to have the sale for it before you grow it, or there's no purpose for it. So fortunately for industrial hemp, it doesn't degrade like like a flower, like a, a hemp flower would, right? With the CBD um, and the cannabinoids leaving that flower over time and heat, and you know, depending on how you maintain and hold it. So with that, we have that on our side. So I mean, if there's a, a lot of hemp that's grown for industrial purposes and you remove the, the herd and the fiber and you do the things that are necessary for it, it's a lot easier to store and maintain large, large stockpiles of it to be able to grow to market. So that's one thing that it's, that's going for it. Because the other crops, people are throwing away crops. And I, I had a, um, a farmer reach out to a friend of mine asking us if we could take like 120,000 pounds of hemp for free because he was tired of storing it in his building and he had room for other stuff. And we were working on that deal, and then he actually found a, another rancher who had cattle, and he sold it to him for hog feed. So yeah, that's one of the places it can go, and different things, and for cattle feed. So, and there's that market is, it's saturated right now with growers, particularly, and then it's saturated because a lot of the growers, because they had nowhere to take their market, their product to, they started getting to manufacturing. So their manufacturing products. And then that distillate is sitting on the shelf all over the place. The isolate's sitting on the shelf all over the place until the Delta 8 market came in place and that kind of revitalized that piece of it. But um, that market's adjusting very, you know, very quickly. And we saw prices of distillate just a year and a half ago at $2,000 a kilo. And today you can get it for, you know, $500 a kilo or less. So we don't want to see the same thing happen in the industrial hemp market where it's overflowed. And people have stockpiles of millions of pounds of, you know, herd and fiber in their backyard. Right. So yeah. it's about education to the market. That's what we need to do. That's our job. We want to yeah. see this market grow. We want to be a part of the market. It's about educating the, the contractors, the building industry, and all the different places we can put this. Because it doesn't just go to those two markets. There's so many other things that can be done with it. So, yeah, I think there's... So many, so many uses to this plan. I think that's the amazing thing about it, right? I mean, getting into plastics, and textiles, into yeah. composites, yeah. into, I mean, pretty much everything that, you know, just finding out that these ancient cave temples in India were, you know, plastered with hemp and lime that lasted in just imperfect condition for however, they can't even date these places. Um, I you know, know. I, awesome. I'm going to have to research that. You send me something on that. That's so amazing. 
Yeah, well, Abby, who's on our team, who's a Vastu, he works in the Vastu. He's a, he's a you know, Vastu temple designer oh. from a lineage and um, a, yeah, generation, a lineage of builders. Yeah, and and oh, you know, yeah. in the Vastu tradition, they're very interested in the energetics of material because mm-hmm. their structures are energy devices, essentially healing energy devices. Um, and you know, that's that's for me what makes this plant amazing. It, it's you know, there there is so many uses to it. But there's there's a energy and a frequency to this plant, and and the connections that people make through this plant. There's there's so much that I think there's you know on the etheric side of things, on the spiritual side of things, there's there's something um, very sacred about this plant, um, and and I think there is a delicate balance between you know bringing something into the mainstream and and wanting to bring that back to. To, so people can have it in their lives again, whether it's CBD or your, your homes or, or whatever it is. But at the same time, there's a there's a nervousness about it getting kind of uh, turned into this kind of mechanized, industrialized system owned, you know, essentially by, you know, let's say these big corporations, these, these Monsanto type of companies. Um, and, you know, what I see in the industry is that it's, it's you know people like Randy are, are, are producing these these machines that can do the work, but the amount of machines we need to get around the country, um, and and like you said, like educating the farmers and, and and all these guys to understand that there's there's a real business in this, um, and and not only that, but but what it's doing for the soil. I mean, what is I mean, looking at that, like in terms of what the plant is really doing as a proponent for a positive future. That's that's a really big question for me. Like, how do you see hemp as as being part of a new timeline that's evolving, where we're where it's kind of becoming more decentralized? How do you see? Maybe Randy, you can answer to this a little bit because I know you're getting machines out to different areas. Um, like, how do you see that? If let's let's say this existing system of things is falling away, and then these new systems are coming into place, how does hemp play a part in that? What do you feel? I know we've conversed on this in several several times. Uh, you kind of asked about three questions there, so I'll, I'll figure out what's the best way to go with this as, as I move forward. But I, I think one of the biggest challenges that you hit on is that there aren't enough machines out there to handle the market that's building, and it's building quickly. And Mike, you're exactly right. We've got some challenges in that, um, but. It's uh, it can't build. It's kind of a chicken egg thing. The, the industries can't build before we can uh, produce the products, and so that's been 